0: إن الحمد لله، أحمده، نستعينه، نستغفره، ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا. ما الله فلا مضل له، ومن يضلل فلا حادث له. وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له. وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله. أما بعد، فإن أحسن الكلام كلام الله. وخير الهدى, هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة. وكل بدعة دلالة. وكل دلالة في النار. Uh, so this is our third lesson on the explanation of the kalimah of tawheed, and in the previous lesson. We touched on a number of issues, or we covered a number of issues Uh, within the previous lesson. We explained those four things that every Muslim should know and understand. The meaning of the kalima, the ma'na. What is the ma'na of the kalima when we say, La ilaha illallah. It means that none has the right to be worshipped. None is deserving of worship, except Allah alone. It also means that there is nothing which is worshipped in truth except Allah. Meaning that everything which is worshipped besides Allah is worshipped in falsehood. Only the worship of Allah is in truth. And everything else that is worshipped, that worship is in falsehood. So the ma'na, this is the meaning. This is the meaning. Then we said, what is the Muqtada? This means, what does this now require from a person? When a person who says, La ilaha illallah, this now demands from him that he actually worship none but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now he has to abide by what he said. This is now required from him and demanded from him in his action, in his speech. So this is the Muqtada. It is not something that you just say and that's it. It is something which has requirements from you. And now we said, also the arkan, the third thing, the arkan. What are the pillars? Because this statement has pillars. And it has two pillars. The first pillar is that we make a negation. We have negated something. We are negating that there is any deity, anything which is deserving of being worshipped. So we are negating that there are any deities that are worshipped in truth. And then we are making an affirmation, the ithbat. We are saying, accept Allah. So we are now affirming for Allah this right to be worshipped. So these are the two pillars of the kalima. And then fourthly, we went through the, the you know, the, uh, the, the conditions, because just like every key has teeth, and without the teeth it will not open the lock, and likewise the kalima la ilaha illallah, it has conditions. And without those conditions, a person will not have really brought the kalima that will enter him into paradise. And those conditions, we mentioned them in the previous lesson. We said that they are seven in number. There is ilm, there is knowledge, which counters ignorance. There is yaqeen, which is certainty, which counters doubt, having doubt. There is... uh, Ikhlas, sincerity, which counters hypocrisy and showing off. There is qabool, which is acceptance. There is, uh, mahabba, which is love. There inqiyad, which is compliance. So we mentioned the, you know, seven, uh, seven different, uh, conditions. We mentioned their evidences as well from the Quran and from the Sunnah. So we covered all of this in the previous lesson. Uh, I think that was the, the the gist of what we mentioned in the previous lesson. Uh, we also we also established as well in the previous lesson how that the mushriks to whom the messenger was sent, they affirmed Allah's rububiyyah. They affirm that He is the Creator, the Provider, the Sustainer, the One who gives life, the One who takes life, the One who benefits, the One who, in whose uh, control is harm, in whose control is benefit, and so on and so forth. They affirmed all of these affairs and did not deny them. So meaning that this cannot be the meaning of the kalima, that there is no creator, that there is no provider, that there is no sustainer, because this wasn't the point of dispute between the messengers and to the pe- and between the people to whom they were sent. So we mentioned some ayat in the Quran which established this clearly. Uh, we mentioned six or seven ayat in the Quran to establish that point. So this now leads us to today's lesson and, uh, We finished in the previous lesson by making the point, as Sheikhul Islam he said, that when we make the negation in the kalima la ilaha illallah, we are negating uluhiya. Uluhiya means the right to be worshipped. We are negating it from everyone besides Allah. This includes the prophets and the messengers and the angels. So we are negating this right to be worshipped from the best of the messengers, who is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Just like we are negating it from the best of the angels, who is Jibreel alayhi salam. So there is no one from the creation, no matter what their status, what their rank, be he from the men, be he from the angels, no one has this right that belongs only to Allah. So when we make this negation of uluhiyya, then it includes everyone and everything besides Allah جل, despite their status, no matter what their status. So here then we'll continue with the next statement, as Shaykh Al-Islam says, إِذَا فَهِمْتَ ذَلِكَ إِذَا فَهِمْتَ ذَلِكَ So once you've understood all of that which is preceded, فَتَأَمَّلْ أَلْأُلُوهِيَّةَ الَّتِي أَثْبَتَهَا اللَّهُ تَعَالَى لِنَفْسِهِ عَنْ مُحَمَّدٍ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَغَيْرِهِمَا أَنْ يَكُونَ لَهُمْ مِنْهَا مِثْقَالَ حَبَّةٍ مِنْ So basically he says that once we've understood everything that has come before, we've understood the meaning of the kalimah, we've understood that its meaning is that worship is only for Allah, and that this worship has been negated from everyone which is besides him, even from the best of people like the Messenger ﷺ and the best of the angels. This then should lead you to start reflecting upon what is this uluhiyyah? What is this right to be worshipped? What is the nature of this right to be worshipped? What is its reality? You should then start reflecting for th- about this thing which Allah has affirmed, that it only belongs to him, that no one deserves it besides him. No one deserves even a share of it. That it belongs completely and totally only for Allah. That you should now start reflecting upon this. And so here in the footnote, Shaykh Saleh al-Fawzan, Hafidhahullah ta'ala, he says, this uluhiyya, that is only for Allah, its meaning is al-ibadah. Its meaning is worship. And we see that here, many, many people, have erred in their understanding of la ilaha illallah and many people in history they misunderstood this kalimah for whatever reasons even though the meaning of it is very simple and very plain and very clear in the quran it simply means that nothing which enters into worship because worship is of many forms many types there are inward worship of the heart there are outward actions of worship You know, like dua and prayer and bowing and prostrating and and so on and so forth. So, all these different types of worship they belong only to Allah. Then the Shaykh goes on to mention five different understandings of La ilaha illallah. How people have erred in their explanation of what this kalima means. And inshallah ta'ala, we're going to pause on this for most of this lesson because this is important for us to understand so that we can see how different people they fell into mistakes because these people are out there today there are people out there today who have these misunderstandings regarding what is Tawheed. what is the meaning of la ilaha illallah that the messengers call to and there are maybe the, the sheikh mentions five here but in total we can you know I also have some speech here from uh, ibn al-qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala so in total we can say that there are eight different understandings of La ilaha illallah. One of which is the understanding of the messengers sent by Allah. And as for the rest, then all of them are erroneous. Some of them are outright disbelief, that they that they clash in every respect with what the messengers actually came with. And they break some they, 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 they comprise something which is actually shirk with Allah or disbelief in Allah. So we'll mention some of them in light of what the Shaykh has mentioned here. So the first of those false meanings or false explanations of La ilaha illallah is the explanation of those people. Who were affected by something of Greek philosophy Greek philosophy And in a nutshell What they claimed is This Tawheed that they believed in Is that they said the only thing we can affirm about Allah Is that he exists That's all we can say about Allah That he exists His wujud And after this We cannot think of any other meaning in our mind. If we bring any other meaning in our mind with respect to Allah, we have now committed shirk. We have now, you know, we have now established. So, so in other words, if we say that there is Allah and He is merciful, we have now entered the meaning of mercy into what we believe about Allah. Or that we uh, that we that we start describing him with you know power and life and as I said mercy and wisdom and you know so on and so forth right they say they claim that this now contradicts this this now no longer is Tawheed. because now you have brought other meanings whereas Allah is just the concept of one in the mind right so. Tawheed to them is centered around all of this. And this is false. This is futile. Right? Because because what, what they're trying to do is they're trying to make it as if Allah Azawajal is just an idea which exists only in your mind. Right? The reason for this is because there is nothing which exists Except that it must have multiple attributes. You will not be able to think of anything which actually exists except that it has more than one meaning associated with it. Right? You will not be able to think of anything in your mind that exists in reality except that it has more than one meaning. Take for example a man. We have a man. So this man, he can, you know, he can be, he can be tall, he can be short. He can be wide. He can be heavy. He can be light. He can be kind. He can be uh, 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 harsh. He can be generous. He can be, you know, uh, selfish. He can. So, 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 one man—it is one entity. He has multiple meanings associated with him. Does this now mean that he is more than one being? No, it doesn't. Right. So, multiple meanings does not mean multiple deities multiple gods because this is what they what they claim falsely right so this group the philosophers the meaning of la ilaha illallah with them is that you just think think of the idea of oneness in the mind right you you believe he exists and that's it nothing else and this kind of thing as ibn taymi points out that when you try to claim that something like this exists where you only affirm its existence and nothing else, no other meaning associated with it, this is something that only exists in the mind. It isn't something that can actually exist in reality. That is, you will never find anything, any being, anything, any entity, that you can think of where the only thing you can say about it is existence, without any other meaning associated with it, right. So really the essence of what they are really saying is that Allah doesn't really exist. He's just something that exists only in your mind. This is the actual outcome or the conclusion behind this particular understanding of Tawheed. So this Tawheed is not the Tawheed of the Messengers. The Messengers never came with this. The second group, uh, as Ibn al Qayyim mentions, this is the Tawheed of the Jahmiyyah. Tawheed of the Jahmiyyah. This is very similar. It's very similar to the first one. Because the Jahmiyyah were those who came along and they were influenced by this philosophy. And they likewise said, they basically said, is that, that Allah Azawajal, uh, that He does not have any attributes. He does not have any names. And Tawheed is to actually deny these names and attributes. We can't say Allah has ilm. We can't say Allah has, you know, speech and hearing and seeing and life and, you know, so on and so forth. And we can't say that He is above above His throne. So all of these attributes that Allah affirmed for Himself, they claimed that it is from Tawheed to deny them. Because if we affirm those attributes for Allah, He would become like created beings this was the basis of the the, simply the the, the argument so Tawheed meaning to negate his attributes the messengers never came with this this is absurd and ridiculous because in the Quran Allah he brought names Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim Al-Malik Al-Quddus al 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 salam Al-Mu'min he affirmed for himself attributes Al-Ilm Rahma Mercy Hikmah Wisdom and so on and so forth so this clearly is false. Right? So those who negate the attributes and claim that this is Tawheed, the messengers never came with this. The Quran never came with this. The Sunnah never came with this. Right? So this is also also false. And so uh these are the this is this is the Tawheed of the Jahmiyyah. The third one that is also false is the Tawheed of those people who come and they, 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 they make it, or they say that, this is the Tawheed of the Jabariyyah by the way, the name, if you want the name, Tawheed of the Jabariyyah. The jabariya are those who say that man has no choice in his deeds. He is simply forced to do whatever he does. And really it is Allah who is the one who is acting through him. Right? All actions they are actually performed by Allah Azza And what they are trying to do, what they're trying to say by way of this, is they're trying to say that power belongs only to Allah. Man has no independent power. Right? But they erred, they, they misunderstood and they erred in this. And they didn't realize that Allah Azzawajal has given power to humans. That humans have power, they have qudra, they have ability. And they have choice. And that when they choose to do certain actions, like when they choose, for example, to gamble, to drink, to fornicate, and to commit all these other evil actions, it is the human who's actually doing these actions. It's the human who did this action. He chose this action. But as far as Allah Azawajal, as it concerns Allah Azawajal, Allah is the one who created that action. Right? He created that being. He gave him power, ability, choice, will, knowledge, and this person was free to act. Then he acted by way of the will that Allah gave him and the power that Allah gave him. So the action was his. But Allah, he created that action. Right? Allah is the creator, man is the doer. But these people they misunderstood. And they tried they 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 they, they thought that hang on, if we affirm Power and ability for man, we have now made him equal with Allah. This is a misunderstanding on their behalf. Right? And on account of on account of this misunderstanding, they said that all actions are performed by Allah. What does this mean now? This means that when a man is fornicating or stealing or gambling or doing something which is which is a sin. It is Allah the one who is doing that. Right? And we know this is batil, this is false. Right? But this is the, 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 implication of what they are saying. The tawheed of the jabariyah. They are basically saying, la fa'il illallah. There is no doer except Allah. And this is not the tawheed of the messengers. This is, this is batil, this is false. Right? But again, you can see how people, they, they misunderstand. And they are led to led to misguidance. Whereas what we say is that man has power which Allah gave to him. And using that power, he acts, he commits sins. And these are these are his actions. He is the one who committed that theft or that act of fornication or that whatever it might be. And Allah is the one who created that action, because he created this man, his essence, and all of his faculties, and gave them to him. Allah is the creator, man is the doer. Right? So this tawheed, tawheed of the jabariya, this is batil, and this is false. Then we have the fourth type of tawheed, this is the tawheed of the sufia, extreme sufia. They say, this is wahdatul wujud, or al-ittihad, ittihad. They claim, That Tawheed means to believe only in one existence. This means that Allah, everything which exists, is Allah. Allah is one with His creation. There is only one existence. There are no two existences. Right? There is not Allah and His creation. Because now you have affirmed two separate existences. That's what they are saying. Right? There is Allah... And they're his creation. They say this is shirk, because now you have made the creation to share with Allah in existence. The Allah exists, and the creation exists, right? This is all stupidity and nonsense and foolishness. It's just absurdity, you know. And uh, so, so what they are saying is, you you have now set up another partner to Allah, because you have now established an existence alongside his existence. And this cannot be true. Rather, everything which exists is Allah. Right? So this means now, what, 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 what are the implications of this? The implications of this is that if Allah is everything and in everything, that means that everything which is worshipped, being worshipped on earth, is Allah. Right? If Allah is everything and in every place, And we can't say that there is the creation and the there is the creator and the created, right? If we can't make this distinction, and we can't say that Allah's existence is distinct from the from our existence and from the existence of the heavens and the earth, if we can't make that distinction, that means that when the Christian is worshiping the cross, he's worshiping Allah, and when the Hindu is worshiping the elephant. And the monkey, you know, with, you know, the, the elephant with seven trunks and the monkey with, you know, ten hands or whatever else. All of that, they are worshipping Allah. Because Allah is in everything. And we can't distinguish between the creation and the creator. right? These are the implications of this false, baatil, understanding of Tawheed, which actually comprises shirk and kufr. And one of the consequences of this as well is the idea of the unity of religions. Right? So this is what we call unity of existence. This is the, this is the core doctrine. But when you think about what it means as well, it means also the unity of religions because it implies now that since what the Christian is worshipping and what the Hindu is worshipping and the red Indian is worshipping in, you know, whatever in the, the Americas and whatever, whoever is worshipping in any location. Since they are all essentially worshipping Allah, it means that all religion is really one. So all religions lead really to the same path because all of them are worshipping Allah, but in different forms and manifestations. Right? And this, the unity of religions, is what these extreme sufis this is what they actually really believe right like this this uh what is the, the, this man um this naqshbandi what's his name um oh I for really forgotten his name now um but this is this is what they actually believe these extreme sufis you will see them and they will, you know, accommodate Christians and Jews and Hindus and they, they will celebrate their, the worship of, of their worship because they believe that all of these are ways and paths that lead to Allah This is his name, Nazim. They call him Sheikh Nazim. A Qubrusi. He's from Cyprus and he is one of those hardcore Naqshbandi Sufis. And this is what he believes and this is what he teaches. And he has followers in the West like Hisham Kabbani, these people. And, you know, they, they conceal these beliefs. They don't they don't openly explain them to the people. And they know this as well. They know that this is what we believe, but they because they know that the people will show rejection, they present these doctrines in very, very clever, veiled, hidden types of ways. Right? So we must be careful about this as well. So this is the fourth type of Tawheed, which is Batil, which is false. Then we have also the Tawheed of the Mu'tazila. The Tawheed of the Mu'tazila. And these people say, it is similar to the Tawheed of the Jahmiya. These people say that we believe that only one being is eternal, is Qadim, And if you now affirm other attributes, like his knowledge, like his will, like his speech, you have now affirmed multiple eternal gods, right? And this is false because what they are really saying is if you say Allah with his knowledge, Allah with his power, Allah with his wisdom, you have now affirmed three different gods alongside Allah. Is this true? Is this true? Like if I said, a man with his patience, a man with his wisdom, a man with his generosity, a man with his kindness, have I now affirmed four men? Have I affirmed four entities? Of course not, this is false. Because as we said before, that a being or a thing can have multiple attributes, and it is still only one. Right, But this is the basis of their idea of Tawheed. Right? And, you know, um, they, they, they try to treat affirming attributes for Allah just like the Christians believe in the Trinity. This is what they're trying to say. That the Christians believe there is, you know, there is the Lord and then there is Jesus and then there is the, the Holy Spirit. Right, And they've believed in three separate beings. And then they try to make it look as if Ahlul Sunnah, the people of Tawheed, that when they say Allah with his ilm, Allah with his power, with his with His qudra, Allah with, with his life, with his speech, with his hearing, with his seeing, with his wisdom, with his mercy. They are saying that now you've made multiple deities and multiple gods. Are these two the same? Are these two the same? Is it the same that when we affirm attributes for Allah that we are like what the, that we are doing what the Christians have done? Is that the same? Of course not. This is false. Right? But this is their understanding of Tawheed. There is only one eternal being and we can't affirm any attributes for Allah because now we've affirmed multiple eternal beings. And this is Batl, this is false. This is the Tawheed of the Mu'tazila. Tawheed of the Mu'tazila. And they are basically saying that, look, if you believe in multiple attributes, you are essentially saying that Allah is composed of multiple things. He is مركب. This is tarqib. This is you are making Allah to be composite, meaning made up of multiple entities. Just like the Christians say, there are three aspects to the Trinity. <coughs> and this, of course, is false. This is false. This is a false argument. So this is not the Tawheed of the messengers. Then we have the Tawheed, the sixth type of Tawheed, and this is the Tawheed of the people of politics, the Siyasiyoon. As as we see here, the sheikh he explains, the Tawheed of the Hizbiyyin, the Ikhwaniyin, and they are the ones who say that the meaning of the Kalima La Ilaha Illallah is that there is no lawgiver but Allah. La hakima illallah. So, what they do is they take, because the meaning of uluhiyya, there are many different elements to uluhiyya. There are many different types and forms of worship. There is ruku'ah, there is sujood, there is dua, there is, you know, many different actions of worship, worship which enter into ibadah, giving zakah performing hajj, right? Everything which enters into uluhiyyah from the forms and types of worship, it is like a wide range of things. So these people, they take one element of that, one element of that, which is that we judge in accordance with what Allah has revealed. And they take that one element and they make this to be the essence and the core of all of Tawheed, right? So they exaggerate in this and expand it until Tawheed is only this thing and nothing else. And this, on the basis of this, they then give a purely political interpretation of Islam and they limit Islam and the meaning of the Kalima only to basically clashing with the rulers, making takfir of them and revolting against them because they are sinful, because they commit oppression, because they are selfish in matters of wealth, because they, you know, because they are not ruling 100% by what Allah revealed. And so therefore, because the whole of Islam now is built upon the concept of law giving and the meaning of ilah is nothing but hakim therefore Islam cannot be established Tawheed cannot be established until we announce our disbelief in these rulers and wage a war against them to topple them and to remove them and until we establish the judgment of Allah right this idea that they've brought is the idea of the khawarij the khawarij who revolted against Ali رضي Anhu, and likewise the Khawarij before them who revolted against Uthman on account of you know grievances they had in issues of wealth, issues of uh, uh, power, issues of uh, authority. And so these ideas were revived in the 20th century in the books of Abu Al-A'la al maududi He's the source, he's the foundation of this idea. And then Sayyid Qutb took that from him. And he developed these ideas further, and then the groups of takfir in Egypt, Jam'aatul Jihad, Jam'aat Takfir wal Hijra, they then took these ideas from from uh, Qutb and they appeared in the 1970s, and then in the 1970s the, these books started being written, and these people, you know, uh, went to Saudi Arabia and started poisoning some of the people there with these ideas. Muhammad Qutb, which is Sayed Qutb's brother. And then the Afghani jihad came and it became a melting pot. So that the Takfiris of Egypt, they came from Egypt. They brought their ideas and they poisoned everybody in that arena. And then they came back with this idea of Takfir, Hakimiya, rulers of the disbelievers. And this, you know, then this, this poison came from there. And then eventually, over the next two centuries, now we have ISIS on the back of, of that basic idea that, you know, uh, appeared about seventy. 80 years ago right this is this is how, how it is so this understanding of the kalima la ilaha illallah is the tawheed of the khawarij tawheed of the hizbiyin ikhwani ikhwaniyin tawheed of the khawarij this is not the this is not the meaning this is not what the messengers came with the messengers did not come with revolutions political assassinations political coups Military coups, mass revol- popular, popular revolution didn't come with this. They didn't come to establish social justice. As we see what Mawdudi claims, that the, that Islam came to establish social justice. This is how he portrays the call of the messengers. This is false. And likewise, he, would, he was followed in this by Sayyid Qutb. He wrote books on this. Al-Adalatul Ajitma'iyya, Social Justice in Islam. Right? This, these were the ideas they were poisoned with. These are the ideas of the communists, of the Marxists, of the socialists. They are not. This is not what the messengers came with. So basically they tried to portray the messengers as being like revolutionaries. They came to topple the rulers and snatch power, and then to establish social and political justice. All of this is from the philosophy of the 19th century communists, Marxists, socialists, And they were poisoned by these ideas. Then they looked towards Islam and they tried to portray Islam in light of that Marxist, communist, socialist poison. Right? And then they interpreted the Kalima La ilaha illallah with a political interpretation. There is no lawgiver but Allah. There is no political authority except that of Allah. And this, my dear brothers and sisters, is false. And it is the foundation of the ideology, of the khawarij that we, that we see which, who are present today, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, all these people. So this is not the Tawheed of the messengers. Then we have the seventh type of Tawheed, and this is the Tawheed of the grave worshippers. The tawheed of the Quburiyun, the grave worshippers, which are the people that really we are addressing by way of this, of this treaties. And so the Tawheed of the grave worshippers really is that they say, as long as you believe that only Allah creates, only Allah provides, only Allah controls harm and benefit, and only Allah gives life and takes life, then as long as you maintain this belief, it doesn't matter. You can call upon a saint. You can ask a saint for help For rescue, you can call upon Ali, Ya Ali. Madad, as they say, as the Rafida say, and many of the Sufis, the Brailwis say as well. Oh Ali, I ask you for help. Or they call upon Abdul Qadir Al-Jilani. Or they call upon whatever saint. They are saying basically, that this is not shirk. Why is it not shirk? It's not shirk because the person believes that only Allah is the creator. Only Allah is the provider. That Allah, that He is really the one who is really helping. Not Ali, not Abdul Qadir al jilani not any wali or any saint in the grave. We don't believe that they are helping us. This is what they said, this is their argument now. We don't believe that they are the ones who are helping us, because we believe that only Allah is the creator. So how can you call us to be, how can you call this shirk? Can you see what they are doing, what they, what, what they are basically saying? Right. They, it is as if they believe that you can only become a, someone who commits shirk if you believe that someone besides Allah has power over life and death, has power to bring harm and to repel harm and to bring benefit or to prevent benefit, only then can you ever become a mushrik. But as for what you do in your deeds, you can call upon this one, you can invoke that one, you can sacrifice a chicken to this one, you can do such and such for that one. Right, you can... All these acts of worship, you can do them day and night. That will not expel you from Islam up until you believe that the wali can create. That the wali has power over life and death. That the wali, he has power over harm and benefit. That you believe that he is the one who cured your cancer. That he is the one who granted you a child. Right? So they say that we don't believe any of this. We believe only Allah creates, only Allah provides. So how can you call us, how can you call this an act of shirk? Right? We are only seeking the intercession. Right? So in other words, they are giving them all of the actions of worship, which belong only to Allah, but they are saying, we are not committing shirk, because we believe only Allah creates, provides, sustains, gives life, takes life, controls benefit, controls harm. Right? So this, is this is what they claim is the Tawheed of the messengers. And this you find again, you will find with the grave worshippers. And again, this is batil, this is false because we know that this really is no different to what the pagans of Quraysh in the Qur'an, what they believed. And in fact, we established in the previous lesson, we established many verses in the Qur'an which established this, وَلَا إِن سَأَلْتَهُمْ مَنْ خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ (laughs) La <laughs> <coughs> 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 If you were to ask them who created the heavens and the earth and subjected the sun and the moon, they will surely say Allah. And many other ayat mention other things as well. You know, who who is the one in whose hand is the earth, uh, the, the earth and whatever is within the earth, the one who uh, regulates all of the affairs, the one who created you, the one who, all these actions, they affirm them and they believe them that they belong only to Allah. And so the argument of the Quran is that if you affirm all of these affairs for Allah, then how, how are you deluded? Why then are you worshipping, why are you then calling upon the dead? Why are you then calling upon Isa? Why are you, are you then calling upon, the, worshipping the angels, worshipping the jinn? Why are you making worship for other than Allah? When you affirm and accept that only Allah is the creator, Provider, so this is the essence of the argument of the Qur'an. Right? So these people who claim and they say, well, you know, we believe only Allah is the creator and we can ask Abdul Qadir Al-Jilani for help. Right? The whole Qur'an came to invalidate this argument. Because the argument is that if you believe only Allah is the creator, provider, sustainer, the one who answers the dua, the one who controls benefit, controls harm, then why are you invoking others besides Him? It follows therefore that you, that you, that you call and invoke only Him. So to give you an example to illustrate this, the absurdity of what they are claiming, is let's, let's say for example that you have a person who is the owner of a company. And this owner of the company is the one who decides who, who will give employment to anyone he pleases. Right? And so a person comes along and he says, look, I, I affirm that this, that this man, that the final decision rests with him. I affirm that he is the owner and the master of the company. I affirm that he has the right to hire and fire. I affirm and accept all of this. But I'm going to ask his employee for a job. I'm going to go to the employee and ask him, can you please, you give me the job? Does this, does this really make sense? Does this make sense? Does this, does this really prove that he really truly believes that the, that, that the owner and the master is the one who hires and fires and... Obviously, it's, it's a contradiction. It's a contradiction, right? It shows that either you, you are mad, you are insane, like what the Qur'an says, for تُصْحَرُونَ How then are you deluded? Huh? Do, you, do you Will you not have any intelligence and understand? This is the argument. So likewise, when these the grave worshippers, when they come and they say, well, I believe Allah is the creator, provider, sustainer, gives life, takes life, guides, misguides, controls all of the affairs. I believe all of this. But I'm going to ask Abdul Qadir Al-Jilani to save me in a calamity. Or some wali, I'm going to ask him to cure me for my disease. Or I'm going to invoke him for some need or the other. How does this even make sense? You you just contradicted yourself. Because if you truly, genuinely believe that only Allah is a provider, sustainer, a creator, gives life, takes life, benefits, harms, you will say, Oh Allah, aid me. Oh Allah, help me. Oh Allah, whatever else. You, you, you will worship only Him alone. Your devotion will be only to Him alone. And this is the essence of the argument of the Qur'an against the various types of mushrikun, you know, those who Worship stones, those who worship stars, those who worship idols, those who worship jinn, those who worship angels, those who worship the prophets, those who worship the righteous. All of these are just different you know, things that they worship. Right? The issue is that your worship (coughs) should only be to Allah and not to these other things. So this the Tawheed, this is the Tawheed of the grave worshippers. This is not the Tawheed of the Messengers of Allah. So this brings us to the eighth and final, which is the correct understanding of La ilaha illallah. This is the Tawheed of the messengers, which means, as we said, there is none worshipped in truth except Allah Azza wa Jal. ذلك بأن الله This is the meaning of the kalima. This is because Allah is the truth. Allah is the haq. He is the truth, and that whatever they whatever they call upon besides Him, it is baqil. It is false. And that Allah is the one. He is al-ali, al-kabir. He is the highest. He is the greatest. So this is the meaning of the kalima with the people of Tawheed and likewise as ibn al-qayyim uh, he basically describes it as for the Tawheed of the messengers wa amma tawhidur and we'll end with this inshallah ta'ala wa amma tawhidur rusul fa huwa ithbat sifati al-kamal lahu subhanahu wa ithbat qawnihi fa'ilan bi-mashi'atihi wa qudratihi wa ikhtiyarihi wa anna lahu fi'lan haqiqatan wa annahu wahdahu alladhi yastahiq an yu'bad so, in meaning he says that as for the tawhid of the messengers, it is to affirm all of his perfect attributes, and that he is the one who acts with his will, with his power, with his choice, and that he alone is the one who deserves to be worshipped, and to be feared, and to be hoped in, علي, and to be, to, that the reliance is placed upon him, and that he is the one who deserves the essence of our love, and the essence of our humility, And that his creation have no wali or wakil or shafi' one who will intercede for them or any intermediary between them for their needs. And that no one fulfills their needs and removes their hardships except him. No one responds to their supplications except him. And to the end of what he basically said. So so all of this is the tawheed of the messengers. It is that we make worship only for Allah alone after we know Already by our fitrah and by our common sense. That only Allah is the creator, provider, sustainer, giver of life, taker of life. All of this is not in dispute. What is in dispute is the matter of ibadah. The matter of worship being for Allah alone. So this inshallah ta'ala will we'll now move into the next part of the treatise, Which is to look at some of the ways that those who worship other than Allah, they use certain labels to conceal the fact that what they are doing is worshipping other than Allah. And some of their arguments in that respect. And we will look at that inshallah ta'ala in the next lesson. And with that, we'll conclude our lesson there today. Wa sallallahu <laughs> ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa